Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome back to Casing the League on Believe Network. I am joined by a very special guest today, Molly Walker, NHL reporter, New York Rangers beat reporter for the New York Post, and also a co-host on Up in the Blue Seats. Molly, thank you so much for joining me on this Monday. How are you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. You know, just waiting every day for a coach to be named, but (laughs) hanging in. We're hanging in. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, of course, we're going to get to that. I think that's probably one of the top headlines revolving around the New York Rangers right now. But as you guys know, you can follow me over at the Sports Case. That's K-A-S-E. You can follow Molly at Molly Walker with two E's and two R's. And most importantly, Casing the League is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup Finals. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports waging needs from basketball and hockey, which is going on right now, to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit, bet online, where the game starts. Now, we got all that fun out of the way. I'm excited to chat with you about a number of things. We talked about the coaching thing, but we got to have an icebreaker. Of course, part of it's a play on words because we both talk about hockey, but with the icebreaker in mind, I feel like this gives us a good vibe of each other. Everyone's meeting virtually these days. You know, we don't get to bump into each other as much. So are you a speedy skilled winger, a chippy chirping center, a protective defenseman or a quirky goalie? And if it makes you more comfortable, I can tell you my answer first. Yeah, go ahead. I want to hear. I'm curious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I When I explain this to my family, I let them kind of pick for me. And then even though I felt like they were being judgmental, I had to go with it. So I'm going to go with the chippy chirping center, not mm-hmm. because I'm like this highly confrontational person. No, it's because in order to survive in my family, it was you had to have witty banter. You had to be sharp. You know what I mean? So you had to be protective. You had to be sharp, but you also had to be skilled. So I felt like I gravitated towards that center position, you know? A bit of a strong two-way player, but I can run my mouth if I have to. I don't love to do so. It's a good kind of player, I think. (laughs) For me, I'd probably say if I'm going to equate it to what I was like as a basketball player, because that's like the only way I know how to put it in perspective, (laughs) I got to say I'm a protected defenseman. I mean, when I was a a basketball player, I wasn't really great at offense. I was was a shooting guard who couldn't shoot, which my mom likes to say. Um, (laughs) But I loved playing defense. That was kind of what I prided myself on. I could take the charge. You know, I was just a little rough around the edges in that regard and and really prided myself on being a a strong uh, defender. So I could see myself being a stay-at-home defenseman on the ice and, you know, being a real down kind of kind of girl so that's what I'm gonna go with <laughs> I love it nobody thrives without a good defense we know that in every aspect of sports <laughs> would you be a defenseman that can chirp here and there if need be oh, can you get definitely. in someone's head definitely. okay I could dish that's- it I could take it you know you gotta you gotta in this business you gotta have thick skin 
<laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> We've all learned that the hard way in so many mm-hmm. different circumstances, I'm sure. So now that we got the icebreaker out of the way, the other mm-hmm. fun thing that I love to do with guests is that when we're evaluating our teams that we cover on a day-to-day basis, regardless of this like minimal off-season we get these days, we got to kind of have fun with it, whether it was a great season, bad mm-hmm. season, and different season. So with the Rangers, 40, what did they have? 47 wins? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 47-22-13 record in mind. Uh, can you pick a song to describe either their season or their most exciting player or even like a more exciting moment throughout the season? Um, Shakri writes, chose <laughs> Mistakes by Maroon 5 because he's still <laughs> wounded over how the Bruins season ended. So this can go in so many directions. I'm going to go for the whole season and I'm going to go the one that got away by Katy Perry because I feel like years down the line, 30, 50 years down the line, people are going to look back on this team, this roster and just be like, how in the world did they not get out of the first round? That team, Tarasenko, Kane, Mika, Artemi, Chris, all of them, it's the one that got away. It really Mm -hmm. is. And, And it's just, the first round exit all together, everything. It's just really just all slipped through their fingers. So that's probably, probably what I'd go with. Nice little Katy Perry tune there. (laughs) That's such a good one. And the funniest part about it too, is I feel like there's a lot of hockey players that are low key, big Katy Perry fans. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I do know that. Yes. When they start releasing their playlists and stuff and you see that you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not judging you. I'm just a little surprised. (laughs) Um, So I think that that's such a good one. And I'm not going to lie. Look, with the Tampa Bay Lightning having its own personal rivalry with the New York Rangers, I love and hate the Rangers on so many different occasions. But when it came down to it and the Lightning had their unfortunate exit, um, I was kind of rooting for the Rangers too. I thought that they had this great momentum heading into playoffs and then they get into playoffs and then they get the Devils who very young, you know, offensively high powered. Yes, not so strong defensively or between the pipes. And then all of a sudden, but yeah. would you say that Tarasenko was the most exciting player to join the roster with the twa- 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 <laughs> the trade acquisitions that took place or even the veterans that kind of took their play to another level? I definitely, I mean, any opportunity you have to acquire Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane at the same trade deadline. I mean, you know, there's all these arguments that could be made, especially with, with Patrick Kane and, and his injury status and, and how, uh, fully able he was when he came to New York. That's all separate conversations and, and up for debate. Don't get me wrong. But if you're a general manager, every time you're taking that that bet. So you mm-hmm. cannot fault Chris Jury for, for going all in on that. But definitely, I mean, to get two guys who have been, you know, Western Conference rivals their entire careers have built their names off of scoring big time goals against the other to then be on the same side, the same bench, sharing the same goal um, was definitely one of my favorite storylines I've ever gotten to cover since I started covering the NHL. And, you know, Tarasenko was was electric. And if there is a way for the Rangers to be able to keep him, I definitely think that they would want to. I'm not so sure that that's possible at this moment in time with their cap situation and everything that happened at the end of the season. But um, definitely he was exciting. And I know Patrick Kane was labored during his time in New York. Um, but still, I always, I've always, I've said it a couple times. I think Patrick Kane operating at 50% is still a, a pretty good compared to the rest <laughs> of the league. So again, that goes back to, you know, 
you got to have that chance. You got to take that chance no matter what. But um, it was it was really exciting. And it was disappointing that it ended where it did, because I really think, especially after those first two games against the Devils, I was watching that team and I thought that team could go all the way to the Stanley Cup. So it was a, a colossal disappointment. And I think it's going to be really interesting taking this all into next season because they're staring a very, very daunting narrative in the face. They really need to, to turn it around and, and quickly. And, and it's going to get late early next season. So we'll mm -hmm. see how it unfolds. <laughs> That's a great way to put that. And I think that a lot of people don't realize that the morning in hockey, like, actually grieving your team yeah. exiting is it's significantly different than other sports i mean till this day i'm sure a lot of us any team that got knocked out of the first round we're still kind of watching the stanley cup final and we're like but we were this close like right. it just all we needed was this much more and we're not going to stop feeling that pain until maybe july uh maybe even august mm -hmm. for some of us i won't name any names probably not <laughs> yeah until like, they can we, we need the season to start again to actually let go of the past. So <laughs> I'm glad somebody else is with me on that one. But you also said something else very important that I love. Patrick Kane at 50%. Um, there's only a handful of players in this league right now that you could say at 50%, I, I, they're still better than mm -hmm. so many other players that hit the ice. So kind of let's pivot over to that direction. We sure. know that there was a lot of revolving thoughts around him. You already touched on the fact that people were kind of critical he comes in, he's not as productive as the, you know, as they were anticipating and hoping. You see a guy who records, what, five goals over 19 games and about 12 points. But also from another level and another perspective, we all we have to think about when was he starting to work through this discomfort? When was he starting to work through injury? Because a lot of players are injured by the halfway point of the season, never speak on it. And then those start to rear their heads at the end there. So with a guy who plays so well at 50%. And even though he had the production of five goals and 12 points through 19 games, you know, do you think that he'd be a priority re-signing for the New York Rangers or how much further do you feel like he can go with his career once he bounced back from this hip injury? I think with the logistics of his injury, I think that that alone, just the fact that, I mean, it's a gamble whether or not he's going to be ready at the start of next season, his projected uh, recovery timeline is four to six months. Four months would take him right to the start of the season. Six months would take him two months into the season. Where the Rangers are sitting with their roster compilation, where they are at in terms of, you know, moving on to next season, I don't know if they'd want to take the risk of starting without starting the season without him, if they are going to sign him to any amount of money. Um, I just don't think that fits in with their plans. Um I mean, look, Patrick Kane, during the regular season, I didn't think that he hindered them in any right. way. He wasn't helping them, but he wasn't hindering them either. He was just kind of there. And it was kind of funny. I remember talking to him about it. <laughs> he scored so many fluke goals. <laughs> like, <laughs> the puck still ended up in the back of the net after he touched it or it gone, went off his butt or <laughs> off a weird angle. The puck was still flying in the back of the net somehow during the regular season, which I thought was so funny because I just feel like with guys like that, they just have that touch. Yep, um, the puck luck. But, right, but once it got to the playoffs, that kind of changed a little bit. Because he wasn't helping them, it really became a bit of a hindrance. And I'm not sure if they want to gamble on that with the state of the team and, and where they're at in terms of wanting to actually take that next step and 
go beyond the conference final where they finished two, two seasons ago. Um, I don't know if he fits into that plan right now, just where he's at in his career and with this injury status right now. Would they like to be able to afford to take that risk? Maybe, but especially with their cap situation, I don't think that they can. And I, I'm not totally sure if they want to take that risk um, and invest in him and have him even come back, even if it is four months, six months after the fact, and have him just not be the same player that he was, which we all saw what happened with that this past season and how disappointing and frustrating that was for, for the Rangers, Rangers fans, and Patrick Kane himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I would love to see him go somewhere where he could be in that mentor role because I think he was spectacular at that um, when he was with the Rangers. Um, I, I, selfishly, it would be great to get to interview Patrick Kane all the time because he was just an absolutely <laughs> absolute pleasure to deal with in that regard. Um, but I don't think it makes the most sense for the Rangers um, unless they were able to get him for a really, really cheap one-year deal, which, again, right. I, I don't see Patrick Kane going for that um, because he's Patrick Kane. So uh, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, you really can never say never, and I don't think, obviously, until they name a head coach that we'll start seeing anything like that personnel-wise. Um, mm-hmm. But never say never. You never know what's, what's going up in Chris Jury's head. But if you look at the whole big picture, I'm not sure Patrick Kane's return really makes the most sense for the Rangers. Yeah, and I completely agree. I mean, I understand what it's like to evaluate a cap restriction that Tampa Bay Lightning have been dealing with it for so long. Um, but a small parallel that I kind of noticed that maybe might be a bargaining chip for Patrick Kane, and more importantly, as you said, they have to find a head coach first who would kind of go to bat to say we need this player back on our roster and make those negotiations. We had a situation with a guy, Tanner Janot. We gave away so many draft picks fans were quite upset about it there were three trade picks or three draft picks given away for Patrick Kane could that be a bargaining chip for him to maybe stick around if the right coach comes into suit if you think about it though what the Rangers gave up to acquire Patrick Kane it it was pennies it was pennies on the dollar that's another reason why it's it's hard to disagree with jury's movement there because Mm -hmm. That was a once in a lifetime deal that was never going to be made again, regardless, even if he came back and was skating on one hip, like that is probably a deal that will never be able to go down again. And we all know how Patrick Kane reacted when the Rangers got Tarasenko, like, you know, Patrick Kane wanted to go to the Rangers and that was all very clear. So I think it was all the stars aligning there. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure it would parlay into a bargaining piece because of what they did give up, because I know in their eyes, they gave up nothing. To make right, um, I think it was just a Hail Mary. Let's get, get Tarasenko, Patrick Kane, and see what we can do. And, and it fell and it fell short. And you know, that goes back to Gerard Gallant's parting words was talent doesn't mean anything, which is true to a degree. Mm-hmm. You, know, you gotta play as a team. So I do think that they see what happened this past season um as a as as a way to identify what they need as a team and how to make it more of a team game, you know. As much right. as we already have all these big time stars stacked on top of one another, you probably need a few more glue guys and a few more, you know, meshing type pieces to make it a full team because mm-hmm. leaning into that fully, which is what they did. And I, I don't know if I was GM, if I would do it any differently, because if you're built that way already, you might as well just run with it. So right. I 
see why they went in the direction that they did. But now that it was a colossal failure, I would imagine that they will probably pivot in some regard. Yes. And I mean, it is talent's beautiful. It's fun. Yeah. It's exciting, especially in this sport. But chemistry is what makes you go that extra mile. And we're seeing those those more, you know, cohesive rosters coming together. And Charles Barkley said it the other night on TNT, you guys don't base everything around a superstar. You know, right. it's really about the team and the sport itself. So that backs it up entirely as well. And who's going to go against Barkley now that he's this big hockey fan? Big hockey but, guy. <laughs> I know. I love to hear him explain why he loves hockey and how he fell into it um the explanation hasn't changed much but the enthusiasm is just that much more gripping i can say that uh but continuing along the lines of the re-signing because i mean that's what summer situations are all about who's coming back who's not um the imaginary rosters that we can create and hope and dream for come the next season and of course every team once the stanley cup final wraps up is uh, the next contender, right? But you guys have a little bit of a blue line situation going on. And if there's anything we've seen maybe right now in this Stanley Cup final, the crucial role that blue liners play, even if they're completely different, the stay-at-home defensemen, the offensive defensemen, we're kind of seeing that between these two teams. Florida Panthers have multiple offensive defensemen where the Golden Knights have more of those solid, big, meaty stay-at-home defensemen. So when it comes to talking about the Rangers' success on the blue line, Keandre Miller was a big topic around that outside of Adam Fox, who was brilliant to watch this past season. But Miller statistically was right behind Adam Fox. What are the chances of them re-signing him because of the cap issues that they have if they find themselves releasing some of the stars that they brought in at the trade deadline? Um, you know, are you leaning over a 50% margin here that he can return to the New York Rangers? I think so, um, just because of the landscape at the moment and the fact that offer sheets are, are so, so rare. Um, that's really the only scenario that, you know, Keandre Miller could be playing for another team next season. But in terms of the Rangers' priority, of course he's going to be a priority. Here's a guy who's been playing over 20 minutes a night since he made his NHL debut. And defensemen that eat up that much amount of ice time don't grow on trees, um, nope. let alone ones that have the offensive upside that Keandre Miller does. And they know him, you know, the familiarity came up through the organization um, and all that jazz. So I would imagine that he is a priority for them. Um, in terms of on his side of things, I'm sure he sees it a little bit differently, especially taking into consideration where the Rangers are with their cap situation. They probably would only be able to afford a bridge deal. Um, and even down the line, I'm not so I'm not sure the Rangers would be able to afford to give him that long-term contract that everybody looked for at one point or another in their career. So whether or not they think that it would be better for him to get out now, that's also a possibility too. So he, you know, could be looking around the league for somebody to come after him um, or not, you know, yeah. you, you know, there's really no way to know, but if you do look at the big picture of the situation, obviously the Rangers will want to prioritize him at this moment in time, but for him, big picture, it's difficult to go all in on that, knowing that they might not be able to retain him full time unless, you know, they part with a Barkley Goodrow contract or I mean, hypothetically speaking, a Jacob Truba concert uh, con contract because they have so many of these contracts that are so long, so much money, no move clauses, no trade clauses. Um, mm -hmm. So it's the core is so 
written in stone at this moment in time um, that it's difficult to project what will be available. But the Keandre Miller signing is just so important for the Rangers, especially with the numbers, because it all trickles down. You got Ryan Lindgren coming up uh, on a new contract at the end of next season, and he's a motor for this team. You know, just uh, yeah, I can't even call him underrated anymore because everybody knows he's not. Oh, they found out. Yes, it's a known (laughs) thing now that the Rangers just do not operate the same way that they do when Ryan Lindgren is on the ice. So, and he's Adam Fox's partner, and who makes him play it at his best as well, which is obviously a priority. So. You know, mm-hmm. it's just all going to have a trickle down effect. And the left side, you know, you got Zach Jones also waiting in the wings, too. So a lot of it is it's going to be a domino effect. So getting Keandre Miller's numbers correct, the timeline correct um, as best as they can while still preparing for the future um, is going to be huge. I, I I would really be shocked to see a, an offer sheet happen, obviously, and, and to see him go elsewhere. And because that would also create a really big problem for the Rangers on the blue line. <laughs> so I do think that I would imagine that jury would be aggressive in nailing that down as soon as humanly possible after a, a, a coach is named. Um, but it is going to be interesting what it all comes out to because it really does dictate the Rangers future on the blue line 100 percent. Oh, yeah. And then it just changes the conversation looking into next season because that close but no cigar feeling, it lingers and it adds a different layer of pressure once the new season starts. And uh, something that we experience closely is when you lose a significant blue liner, you know, you have other guys that step up. Yeah, you can fill in with some younger guys that have so much potential, but it just doesn't get you over the hump in those crucial moments and that's what this team is going to want to do you're so close so you want to make as minimal movement as possible but make it impactful and obviously benefit the cap but speaking of impactful you got another guy on your roster who's just so fun to talk about first of all the humility i'm sure you know yourself um micah savanajed you know he contributed 91 points this past regular season which was a 10 point increase from the previous season and almost a 20 or 30 point increase from the season prior to that. So you're seeing a guy who just improves season by season and at that crucial position of playing center. Um, And obviously he's got some secret talents too. He's going to be DJing at Lollapalooza in Stockholm. Can you kind of talk about the significance of um, Zvanajed and his contribution and what he did for this team towards the end of the season? I know he's hard on himself when he goes through those shooting or those scoring droughts. But I think every player kind of has that moment. What's been your experience with Savannah Judd? Look, playoffs aside, completely forget the playoffs <laughs> when I say this, but Mika Savannah Judd had a career year in every sense of the word. Production, his consistency level, and just he really just was a rock for the Rangers this season in terms of showing up and giving the same thing every single night. Playoffs... <laughs> Were, the, were their own thing. It really it was a whole team collective effort. You could probably name two to three guys that you could say had a, had a good playoffs for the Rangers. Um, but in terms of the regular season, I thought this was Mika Zibanejad's best season um, of his entire career. And he he's just been, he's been their rock number one center for so long. Um, and he's such an important part of the team. It's kind of difficult difficult to put into words in that regard. Um, But obviously playoffs is all that matters. So it was tough and don't get me wrong, you know, 
it was tough on him as well. It was written all over his face. Um, he knew, just like our team, Tony yeah. Panera knew and Chris Kreider knew that they all could have been better. Um, but if the regular season was any indication of where Mika Zibanejad is at in his career, it makes that signing look great. You know, he is a true top 10 center in this league, maybe even top five, you know. So mm -hmm. he's, you know, very, very important for the Rangers. And I mean, the DJ stuff is really funny. <laughs> I mean, this past season was was our first in the locker room since the pandemic. Um, so there are only so many pointers and, and things that you know about these guys' personal lives to try yeah. to strike up a regular <laughs> conversation. So naturally, DJing was one of them. And I remember when I asked Nico about it, he was just like, he's like, all you guys have asked me about that. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's like the one thing that you know that you do with your time outside but, you know, he does, yeah, he does it for fun. You know, it's not really, it's it's just something he likes to do, but it is. He's not ditching the skates anytime no, soon. No, yeah, he's not, <laughs> not hanging out the skates to go DJ or anything like that. But it's just something that he does for, for fun. He enjoys it. Um, and it's really, really cool that he's going to be a Lollapalooza. So I can't wait to ask him about that and that experience. So I'm sure he'll have some fun stories from that. But um, yeah, I mean, the next step for all of these guys is really you know, bringing it into the playoffs. And mm -hmm. obviously last season was, you know, very much so falling short of expectations for all of them. Um, so I'm very excited to see how they take this into next season, because if you look at the beginning of this past season, coming off the conference final finish, they all had a playoff hangover as well. And it took a really long time for them to get back to playing the way that they needed to play. Jacob Trouba had to throw a helmet, you know, it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it ran its course, but this is going to be different. This is coming off, you know, there is no hat to hang on last, on this past season's first round finish. So um, I would expect that all those stars, including Mika Zibanejad, um, will come out like a bat out of hell for the, for the regular season to start, hopefully. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could definitely, I could definitely imagine that. And especially as you said, you know, he is a top 10 center and I don't think there's enough conversation around his name. And you got to admit when you see something spectacular in a player and just to see his progression over the last three years, I couldn't imagine him coming into the 23, 24 season and not topping that, you know, at least an extra five goals and an extra five points and 91 points is spectacular for mm -hmm. any center to accomplish in this. But uh, as you mentioned, hopefully not so many more flying helmets, but whatever <laughs> works for them. And that just reminds me of the fact of why I gravitated towards your Twitter and your coverage with the New York Rangers. So, guys, if you do not already, go follow Molly at Molly Walker with two E's and two R's. We're just getting moving along here, though. We'll keep this short and sweet because I know as a reporter, when you're trying to keep pulse of the team and all the movement that takes place in the beginning of the summer and the long-winded conversations throughout uh, this coaching carousel that the New York Rangers are dealing with, um, they decided, no, thank you, Patrick Roy. I feel like that started some sort of uproar. Then there's conversations about them being very strategic in this waiting game. Uh, what is your perspective on the coaching situation for the New York Rangers? And is their seat getting any warmer leaning towards a guy? Look, it was it was a very shallow pool coming into this offseason. It is it doesn't even hold a candle to what it was last season. Um, call it unfortunate timing, call it whatever you will, but I don't think that Chris Jury would have made this decision unless Gerard Gallant going forward with him was not 
in no way, shape, or form an option. Mm -hmm. um, did he expect it to be as shallow as it ended up being? You know, there was a possibility Sullivan could be, could be available, Keith could be available. Like there were all these hypotheticals of people that might be available that didn't end up being available. Um, so I think that's just crappy timing, crappy luck. It happens. Mm -hmm. That being said, it sounds like Peter Laviolette and John Hines are the two front runners. Could go, could go either way. It kind of seems. Um, I think that Laviolette is—they're both veteran coaches. Obviously, John Hines hasn't had playoff success at all. Laviolette has, just not in a while. And his last stint uh, in Washington wasn't the best. Um, and I get this whole notion of wanting to take a chance on a guy like Patrick Waugh or Jay Leach or Spencer Carberry. Um, everybody wants to find the next John Cooper, the next Rod Brindamore. Uh, it doesn't always happen as effortlessly as that, but I understand the sentiment of wanting to take a risk. But when you look at a guy like Patrick Waugh or Jay Leach, you know, Patrick Waugh is the emotion, you know, he's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a ticking time bomb. There's so many things that could go wrong with that. Jay Leach, first time guy. Are you really handing the keys over this roster to a first time guy? This is a tough group to coach. This is an established veteran group of stars, you know, and a robust collection of them and a legendary organization as yeah, well which i think exactly the spotlight in new york coming off what happened this past season the expectations probably the most daunting job available in the nhl at this moment in time <laughs> you know and that and then and that turns also to guys like Mac, mike babcock and quenville after everything that they've gone through do they want the spotlight of new york <laughs> after <laughs> they've been through probably not so right. options are very limited obviously that wasn't planned just kind of how it happened and I, i've seen all the such an uninspiring coaching search blah blah blah. what did you want him to do right. <laughs> like where did you want him to turn where, where did you want him to look and so, did you want them to just make a dramatic approach yeah, to it for namesake yeah. or be strategic? Right. If they do go with Patrick Waugh mm -hmm. and he has a meltdown on the bench or something, like <laughs> something horrible there, oh, five and three into the season, and then everybody, all hell is breaking loose. So mm -hmm. that's why I see going with Peter Laviolette or John Hines. Yes, they're safe, but they're established. They're known. They're familiar. Um, they've been around the block. There are so many people in the league to ask for opinions and gather intel on um, who have had firsthand experiences working with those guys. Patrick Wall, you know, after everything that happened in Colorado, probably people in the NHL don't have the best things to say about him. So that's, yep. you know, I can see why that immediately was like, nope, we're not going there. We're not <laughs> even going to give him an interview. Right. I Look, it's not the most ideal situation. I feel like this summer has been really tense and stressful for a lot of Ranger fans, and, and I don't blame them. I get it. Uh, but I would trust in Drury that he is going to choose the best available guy for the job. And the fact that we are now over five weeks into the search tells you that he is doing his due diligence. He is not just naming a guy just because he's the only 
available option or the best option. You know, he really is weighing both sides of the equation. Um, yeah. Is someone going to come out of left field? Maybe. <laughs> you never know. Um, but it is looking like it's it's pretty much a, a tag race between Pierre LaViolette and John Hines. And we'll see. It should be interesting. Um, I think that both guys are probably the only ones in the pool that would feel up to taking on this responsibility. Because, um, yeah. like we said, it is a major spotlight. <laughs> You're under a microscope, and you got an owner that wants a championship yesterday. So yep. it's a lot of pressure. Um, but for those reasons, I think that that's why jury has gone the safer route, which mm -hmm. makes it really does. But yeah, I hear everybody. I I. <laughs> I, I'm right there with you. You know, it's I, I'm waiting for this to happen, so maybe I can enjoy the summer a little bit. But so you can actually take off for a minute. Yeah, right. It's a yeah. big hire. It's the second mm -hmm. head coach of Drury's tenure, um, second one in three years. Which I actually wrote something on that today. You know, how many coaches does a GM get? You know, in his tenure. Mm -hmm. But if you look at you know the Rangers history in particular, aside from there's so many GMs who have doubled as head coach and their tenure, which is crazy. Um, you know, you got guys that have four, five, six coaches that they go through. Yes. So, you know, it, it happens and it the is revolving. Right. Right. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been an off season and Ranger fans are going through it after what happened at the end of this season. It wasn't enough for the playoff scenario to no, happen the way that no. it did. Now there's this looming coaching situation over all of it, but it's true. You, if, there, if there's anyone that feels the pain just as much, it is going to be, you know, the team journalist because you don't get a break until <laughs> this mystery is solved, but you painted a very important perspective there in terms of like this roster and the uniqueness to it you can't just bring in any coach so rather than looking at it as a waiting game you have to realize that you're kind of looking for that perfect match and that goes back to something else you said that's so crucial is you know chemistry over talent so if one of these guys can connect with this roster better regardless of the name you're looking at a guy that can help finally make some magic happen with the new york rangers roster and you know Speaking of the veteran group and the young guys, I mean, you guys had one of the most exciting youthful lines in the entire league. That brings me to the exciting news of the stadium series announcement. You got a bit of a double feature going on there, but I think this is the most important one. <laughs> Sorry, Devils fans. Uh, Rangers taking on the Islanders. You know, you got that tri-state rivalry or the Hudson River rivalry. You've got two teams that kind of mirror each other in a couple different ways. You know, you've got two highly regarded goaltenders. You've got a stock in a veteran presence for both rosters. And then you've got some exciting youthful guys. Um, I'd say the Rangers are a little bit more exciting because of that kid line. What's the stadium series going to mean for the Rangers organization? Cause that outdoor hockey, it's a different feel. Uh, it's a different atmosphere. It's a completely different narrative. And I think it's inspiring for these guys to play in a game like this and then carry on or get back into the regular season swing. Well, I think it's going to be great for the league, first and foremost. I think that this is the kind of stuff that they you know, need to be doing, need to be focusing on the rivalries that garner the most attention, that will get the most viewership. And Rangers Islanders at uh, MetLife Stadium is definitely a way to do it. So I think in terms of that, it's going to be so exciting for the league, and they're going to make a nice, pretty penny off of it too, I'm sure. 
Um, but for the players, it's always cool to play the outside games and um, especially in a rivalry against the Islanders. Um, I, I think last season it was such a shame that they finished playing them less than halfway into the, into the season. You know, they didn't see them at all in the second half of the season. So that was really unfortunate and really crappy planning on the NHL schedule maker part. <laughs> um, so I think the fact that they were, that they were able to pull, put this together um, will be great for the league and for the rivalry in general. It's just going to be fun. I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really great time. MetLife Stadium, they have a very nice press box there. So <laughs> that's what it comes down to. Press yeah. box and the snacks. Please have the right snacks yes. in the press box. They do have good <laughs> snacks at MetLife Stadium. I know from covering Giants and Jets games. Um, but yeah, who, who's not going to be excited about that? Even Devil's Flyers will be a lot of fun. Get a nice little tri-state and Philadelphia, you know in there so i'm excited should be a fun fun event to cover i'm excited to look at the coverage that comes from that as well and before we wrap things up we got to get your thoughts on the stanley cup final you got the florida panthers who have made historic strides in this playoff run coming in as the eighth seed making it all the way to the final looking to lift the cup since 1996 and then you got the vegas golden knights a very young franchise, and I think a lot of us, I mean, at this point now, we all have been reminded, but, you know, six-year-old franchise, four deep postseason runs. Um, where are your thoughts leaning? Do you think that the Florida Panthers can make a comeback, or do you think the Vegas Golden Knights have kind of started to started to weather the nail in the coffin for the Panthers? Look, I think that the Panthers had the best storyline and just in general, just going from a couple first round exits to, you know, getting swept in the second round last season um, yep. after having such an amazing season, getting a new coach and then coming all the way to the Stanley Cup finals um, this year. I think that their story is the best. And for those reasons, as a member of the media, I'm always rooting for the best story. So if they were able to come down from 3-1 in the series, just love that. <laughs> Um, if I do, I actually think it's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Because I just feel like once you get to the cup final, it's really, it's just so different. Once you're, th once you're there, it's like, you really don't have a choice, but to finish it off. So I do think mm -hmm. that the Golden Knights are going to pull this one off. Um, and I hate the whole narrative, like, oh, they're, they're an expansion franchise, only six years. I love that. When right. they went to the final in their first year of existence, I thought it was the coolest, greatest thing to happen in sports. Mind-blowing. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just, what what's not to like about that? I, I mean, I guess you could argue about the whole expansion draft and how that all went down for them and they got lucky, whatever, sure. But it's fun. We're all having fun here. It's a great, exactly. story. It's a great story. How could you not like that? Um, mm -hmm. But I think that both teams are really good examples for a team like the Rangers that, you know, and this is something that we talked about with the players at the end of the season, it's all trial and error. And yeah. every single season that things happen, whether it's a conference final finish or a first round finish, it's all part of the bigger story, hopefully for these stories, for these players and these teams that we're going to be thinking down the line. Oh, remember when they lost in the first round when with Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko two years later, you know, Chris Kreider's holding the Stanley Cup. You know, it's all, it, for them, hopefully it's all just one big part of their story of getting to where they want to be. Um, and I think both teams are really good examples of that. So I think yeah. the 
can really look to both of those teams, especially the Panthers. I mean, I think what the Panthers did was just spectacular. <laughs> and for them coming off, you know, their first year with, with, with Paul Maurice. So yes, I, I think that, I think that it's, it's all, it's all in good fun and um, both are great storylines, but yeah, I think, I think, the Golden Knights are going to finish this one off and I cannot wait to see the parade in Vegas and take it. Oh my gosh. That's going to be interesting because every city has its, has its angle for these parades. And so the strip, it doesn't sound the sexiest, even though the sex appeal is there, yeah. but that's where I'm most like, okay, how are you going to make this as unique as possible, different, but still encompass everything that Vegas stands for at the same time. Um, but Last but not least, one final game here on Casey Believe on Believe Network. We got a little thing where we cash it, case it, or cut it. Cash it means you like it. It's something you would a, a bet you would take or advise to a friend. Case it means you got to look into it a little more. Maybe phone a friend, Google it. I love Google as a reporter. Or you can cut it, and it just means it's not your vibe, and nobody's feelings are hurt, and it doesn't matter. So you kind of lean towards it, maybe a little bit. But for our first one, do you think Vegas wins Game Five? Uh, we got a minus one sixty-six per bet online as of today. These lines obviously change, but what do you think? Vegas seals the deal on Tuesday night. It's in Vegas, right? Yep. Cash it. <laughs> Cash it. Love it. And yeah. they have an 8-3 record at home. And even mm -hmm. though the Florida Panthers had a great road record, that got snapped in the beginning of this series. So, all right. Love it. We're cashing bet number one. Bet number two, mm. under five and a half goals, over five and a half goals. You got a plus 115 on the under, a minus 127 on the over. Now, here's the thing. Over the last couple of games, the dynamic has changed. At first, game one, they racked up heck amount of goals seven goals game one nine game two five and five in games three and four so where would you lean i probably go case it also just because of what we're seeing in net at the moment mm -hmm. um i think you'd have to really weigh what you're feeling how both goaltenders are looking at this moment in time and really just like go with your gut on which on which <laughs> one you think is gonna look i'm not a big better i'm not but it's terrifying. It is. <laughs> I, and I never tell anybody how to spend their money. That's also <laughs> super uncomfortable. Um, so I'd probably say case it. Um, just try and, and weigh, I guess, uh, the numbers that we've already seen in this series so far and, and just where both goalies are at in terms of how they're playing and, and go from there, what your, gut, <laughs> what your gut is telling you. Give, you. give your gut some extra time. I actually love that too because when you think of the responses the Vegas Golden Knights have had, I mean, they punished the Dallas Stars after back-to-back -back losses mm -hmm. with 6-0 shutout. So I guess the other – best way to put this if you don't want to tell people what to do with their money is hey you never know Aiden Hill's vibe he can come exactly. in and do a shutout or he can come in it's and kind of about Bobrovsky <laughs> exactly <laughs> like you just don't know so I totally respect that and I think this might be the most important one at the mm. moment the con Smythe conversation Jonathan Marchesso is leading the charge here Aiden Hill shortly behind Matthew Kachuk behind that and Jack Eichel. Now, of course, each one of these guys have such a spectacular storyline. The cool part here is that Kachuk was the running favorite as they headed into the series. March or so just made it so hard to look away from him. Um, 13 goals over 13 games. We know Matthew Kachuk has been the hero of the Florida Panthers being able to say that they're even in the Stanley Cup final. You talked about two great netminders and Aiden Hill kind of taking a bit of an edge there and then Jack Eichel what a story he's had for his first postseason run uh who do you think 
is kind of getting closer to that Conn Smythe title. That's so funny. I forgot it was Jack Eichel's first postseason run. Like, I always pretty, forget. It's a crazy statement that I just like, yeah. didn't really <laughs> think in until you said it. Um, but <laughs> anywho, look, I'd like to go for Hill, but it's got to be March or so. I, I, I feel like, I, I mean, the I, I was looking at his at his numbers recently. I think he's got like five or six games this postseason that he hasn't recorded a point, and like that by wild. Yeah, that by itself, I think, um, is worthy of it. I mean, if people don't think Kachuk is the most clutch player in the NHL at this moment in time, I don't know what to tell you. Um, especially, I mean, those two overtime winners, scoring with seconds left. I mean, there's just so many. I, I think that I love what he's done this postseason, not just for the Panthers, but for the league. I think he's been spectacular. Um, cause he's got, he's got that personality and he's, and he's showing yeah. it, he's not afraid to show it. So I love that too, but I, I gotta go, I gotta go Jonathan. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's just a no brainer at this point. Um, I, I, I saw an argument recently about, you know, thinking between a goalie and a, and a player who's scoring for, for Con Smythe and a goalie you can always rely on, but a goalie's, you know, not always going to win you the game, you know, right. So I just I I feel like that's probably where I draw the line for that. Um, you know, mm -hmm. unless it was yeah, like Henrik Lundqvist in in twenty fourteen. <laughs> they they went all the way. Yeah, it would be Henrik Lundqvist. Right. But I feel like it's a little bit different for these two teams. Um, as spectacular as both goalies have been at at certain points on on both of these runs, um, you know, you got to give credit to the players that are that are making these plays and, and the big goals there have been yep. so many big goals so <laughs> that's probably where I'm going. I couldn't agree more and I'm glad you brought up that argument on Twitter because I was yeah. trying to explain to someone the other day that Vegas while Aiden Hill has been spectacular between the pipes um they haven't particularly had to rely on him to carry every single game because they've yeah. been able to put pucks on net whereas you've mm -hmm. got the Florida Panthers where if it wasn't for Borowski that result would have been different yeah. so there is a small margin there that kind of makes you respect what you know the forwards are producing out there and Matthew Kachuk has changed the game, especially yeah. as somebody who lives in Florida, lives in Tampa. You know, hockey is becoming normal down here. You know, mm -hmm. you can put kids in a development camp at age 11 and 12 years old without sending them to Maine. Because every guy yeah. I grew up with that played hockey, he was going off to boarding school once we were in middle school. So yeah. Matthew Kachuk is paving a way that's going to be talked about for the rest of time. And either way, the Stanley Cup final turned out to be way more special than anyone would have realized in yeah. the moment. I hated so, that whole narrative. I hate like, I know what do you mean it's bad for the game what it what do you mean oh it's a nightmare scenario Florida yeah I totally to even if it was Minnesota and or like or Carolina like who cares every team has their own collection of players to absolutely to own storylines to follow you could pick them out no matter what team it's going to be so Everybody yep. leave that argument at the door, please. I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned it, especially the ones that are like, well, now I don't feel bad that my team exited because I'm not even going to watch. You're watching. And trust yeah. me, you're going to be talking about this Stanley Cup final 
come years later. Molly, thank you so much. I can't appreciate it enough for you joining me and taking the time. Once again, follow Molly over at Molly Walker. That's with two E's and two R's. Love that. You can also follow me over at the Sports Case. That's K-A-S-E, Casing the League, K-A-S-I-N-G, the League. And most importantly, Believe Network, so you can stay up to date with all coverage here on Casing the League and every other fabulous show that they have going on covering every single sport possible. Casing the League is brought to you by Bet Online on Believe Network. And until next time, guys, I'm Casey Hudson, joined by Molly Walker, NHL reporter, NHL reporter for the New York Rangers on the New York Post, and co-host on Up in the Blue Seats. And until next time, guys, we'll catch you later. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.